want to welcome all of our campuses to the fourth week of our series entitled One to One Encounters with Jesus. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? So excited to have you every week. We are in a six-week series. We've got a few more weeks talking about different encounters that Jesus had with men and women in the Gospels. If you weren't here, uh, when we began, we talked about, number one, a woman who for 12 years had a bleeding issue and how Jesus healed her. We talked about a religious man, Nicodemus, who yet came to Jesus at nighttime inquiring about how to be, quote, right with God. That's very, very powerful. How do I, what do I need to do to be right with God? I talked about that week too. By the way, last week, uh, it wasn't an encounter with a man or a woman, but I talked about how Jesus overcame temptation in the wilderness. How do we overcome temptation today? We utilize the model of Jesus. We speak the word. Today, I want to talk to you about a man who was in great need, in need of a miracle, who had suffered for 38 years. Listen, for a long time, he had been in an illness and he heard about Jesus. By the way, speaking of long time, it reminds me uh, about this little country church, this great little country preacher. And by the way, he was a phenomenal preacher. He was amazing. He'd stand in the back of the church on the exit way and people would walk out. And there was a particularly elder lady, Miss Agnes, who uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful woman in the church, prayed for the pastor all the time. But she did have an issue where she said everything that she thought. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's a very fine filter between just boom, boom. So she's walking out one day. She saw the pastor. She gave him a hug. He said, Pastor, I just want to say, and he said, yes, ma'am. And she said, listen, there is a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. Come on, huh? Now, I said that to say, I want everybody to know I have a clock right here. If I go over 35 minutes, they start saying bad things to me, all right? I just want to let you all know that. So we get out on time every week. How many are grateful for punctuality? Punctuality, all right? If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about how when we believe God for the miraculous, how God is the one that provides the power but he also, he also requires us to participate. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot deliver ourselves. But we participate with God and do what he says to do to see a miracle come to pass. John chapter 5. If you have your Bible, we're going to start with verse 1. And we're going to read the first nine verses. All right? Here's what the Bible says. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the way, whenever you see in the Bible, always Jerusalem mentioned, you always go up to Jerusalem. Part of that is topography. There's, it's three or 4,000 feet above sea level. But second of all, there's something about going up to Jerusalem, particularly in this day and age. Very important. Always in the Bible, you'll see that you go up. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool. Interestingly, in ancient cities, they would have gates not just one, but often multiple gates. Those of you that have been to Israel, you've been to Jerusalem, you can see different gates in the city. You would do different things at the gates. Number one, you would allow people to come in or you would exclude people from going out. One or the other. You would protect your borders, your perimeters through these gates. This particular gate was interesting. This is actually called the Sheep Gate. Pastor, why was it called the sheep gate? I'll tell you why. This was the particular gate that they would bring sheep into the city of Jerusalem. Two reasons. 
Number one, what was the main sacrifice that the Jewish people did? I tell you what they did. They would do lambs, sheep. They would sacrifice them unto the Lord. So they had a pool there that they would cleanse the external body of the sheep. All right. Number two, of course, you would buy it and be able to food for your family. So this is interesting. So there's a gate. It's identified as the sheep gate because sheep would come and go. People would bring them, all right, back and forth. But it wasn't just one pool there, and I want to tell you why that's important. The Bible actually says, which is in Hebrew called Bethesda, having five porches. I've actually been there, and they've done an archaeological dig in this part of the city. Very fascinating. One pool would go into another pool, which would then go into another pool. And there was actually five different pools. So it wasn't just like one little pool, like a little ba- a pool in the back of somebody's yard. These are massive pools. And the reason why that's important is because it was a bigger environment that you realize where many people could gather around. Look at this next verse. This will make sense. Then there was laying a great multitude of sick people, blind and lame. They're laying all around these pools. Lame, paralyzed. What are they doing? They're waiting for the moving of the water. Verse four, for an angel, there was this belief that an angel of the Lord would come down at a certain time into the pool and stir up the water. And then whoever stepped in at first and after the stirring of the water was made well of that water of whatever disease they had, the, 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 the water would cleanse them of this disease. So you have all these people. The Bible doesn't tell us how many. Maybe it was 100, 200. I know that easily probably two, three, 400 people could have fit easily around those pools. Look at this next verse, verse five. But there's a certain man there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he sees all these people and he passes by all these people. But now he focuses on this one man. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he'd been in that condition a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? I want you to think about that. Think about potentially how insensitive it would be to ask a person that's been sick for 30 years, 38 years, do you want to be made well? By the way, I said week one, whenever Jesus asks anybody a question, whenever God in the Old Testament, you hear the voice of God asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he's want us, his question is asking us and probing us to get us to know if we know the answer, to locate us where we are. Adam, where are you? God knew exactly where Adam was. You think he just got, you know, I just don't, I I know I created it, but I can't see behind that bush. He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. He'd lost fellowship with God. So there's a question here. But there's actually a question behind the question. Do you want to be made well? Look at the next verse. This is fascinating. The sick man answered and said, sir, now we're getting to some things. Sir, I have no man to put me into the water when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another one steps in. Somebody else beats me to the punch. I mean, every time I think I'm getting ready to get in there, somebody else pushes me out of the way and they get in there first. Last two verses. Look at verse eight and nine. Jesus said to him, rise. Everybody say rise. He's telling a man that's sick to rise. Take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walk. Again, the backstory in Jerusalem, 
Jesus walks into a place, Bethesda, the place of the pools. There's five different pools there, and there's sick people. There's a belief that the angel of the Lord would come down periodically, stir the water up, and the first person that was in the water would get healed. Consequently, he had all these different people that would gather around. I don't know how far they came from. The Bible doesn't tell us how far they traveled or if maybe relatives brought them and just laid them by this pool. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but the Bible does say that there were multitudes of people that were gathered all around the pool. And then Jesus walks in. Jesus, as he walks in, again, he sees all the different people, but then he begins to locate. You ever been in a crowd and all of a sudden you know somebody that thinks that they may know you? And they're walking by everybody and they're walking to you and you're kind of just thinking, are they, are they looking at me? And you're like, do I know them? Do I not know them? Did I not pay my bills? What's going on? Are they coming? Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's exactly what happened. And so the guy's laying and he's like, wait a minute, he's coming. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus and he presents a question like I want to do with you today. I want to present three questions to you because I believe they're found in the questions of Jesus. Because I'm talking today about what do you do? Listen, what do you do when you're in a place where you desperately need a miracle from God? Do we just pray a prayer and say, God, whatever, Lord, I need you. And God comes and then it's done. Or listen, listen, this is important. God has the power, but does he ask us to participate in that miracle? Sometimes miracles are instantaneous. But sometimes, sometimes there's a walking out in that miracle. I'm going to ask you three questions. Number one, the first is, what is your struggle? What is your struggle? Every single one of us have struggles. Every single one of us are dealing with something in our lives. If I had a microphone, we used to have at church uh, 30 years ago when I gave my heart to Christ when I was in college, we had testimony night. How many of them remember testimony night? Those of you, I mean, you just, you just would get up there and you always knew when somebody was going a little bit longer and because the preacher kept getting closer and closer. You know what I mean? It was like a signal, basically, can you, clo- can you land the plane? That's why we do video testimonies now. You know what I'm saying? We can edit. But it's interesting. There's a testimony, but a testimony is always attached to something else. It's attached to a test. There was some challenge in somebody's life. There was some problem. There was something that they were grappling with. Again, maybe it's not a physical ailment, but maybe something in your life. Maybe it's a, you're, you're grappling with spiritual blindness. I remember before I was a Christian, my parents would preach to me and share Christ with me. And, and in my mind, I couldn't figure it out. It's like, I knew God was real. I knew he was up there. But this whole cross, the blood, Jesus, heaven, hell. It's like, wow, there's so many things that are, I mean, I knew there's a God. But I knew nothing about really what salvation was about. And so maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've been coming to Church of the King. We're so honored to have you here. And every week we know there's people that are, quote, checking out Christianity. Some people that have just been come. Maybe a friend invited you, a neighbor. And so you're here. We're honored that you're here. But maybe your issue, you've got everything professionally going well, but spiritually there's a blindness and it just doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, one resounding statement that everybody makes after they come to Christ is, it's like my eyes were opened. My eyes were opened. Here's another one. Maybe your struggle's not spiritual, but maybe it's emotional. 
Maybe something in your life that you're, you're dealing with. And, and, and the fact that you walk into a crowd like this or, or, or you go to work and you, and, and, and you feel like everybody's got it together. But if, you really, if people really knew emotionally what's going on with you, if they really could unpack emotionally what's happening, it's like, Pastor, you don't understand. I feel like I'm a wreck inside. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe it's because of something that's done to you or maybe it's something that you've done and you feel hooked into that. And emotionally, you feel like things are all... Or maybe you have no recollection of anything. There was just this onset of this cloud and this foreboding sense, this ominous, gloomy thing. And you wanna, you, you're trying to break through. But your issue is not physical. It's not spiritual, but it's emotional. It's emotional. Everybody has a struggle. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's financial. Like, man, I made this bad choice. And and then, I, and then I got into this cycle of consumer debt and trying to take care of this and then trying to take care of that. And, I, and this, I would borrow this to actually pay this. And, 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 and you actually can feel it. It's almost like, and even when you go out on Friday night to dinner with a friend or your, your spouse, you feel guilty because you really feel like I should be doing that. So there's, there's this struggle that you feel bound in. Everybody's got a struggle. Everybody's dealing with something. Everybody's dealing with the kid thing, a relational thing, an emotional thing. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Here's a statement. Here it is. I wrote this down. Every single one of us have a struggle. Every single one of us are dealing with something because we live in an imperfect world and we're imperfect people. I had a friend of mine who was in the military. He says, Steve, I got to tell you what happens. And he, and he was in Iraq. And uh, he says, Steve, I got to tell you what happens. He goes, and it, and it just, it, it just I, I'm, I wish I could get over this. He said, I saw a lot of stuff. I was involved in a lot of combat situations. He goes, I've got these triggers that it's like when something triggers, it's like I just kind of freak out. It's like I get nervous. I get anxious. I get paranoid. And, and uh, I want to just say this, and this is important for all of our campuses to understand. If you've never personally experienced PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, it's no joke. Don't ever mock somebody. Don't ever ridicule somebody. It's a reality to them. And until you walk in their shoes, be very, very careful judging them. Are y'all with me? Be very careful. We shouldn't judge anybody. Anybody. Everybody's, everybody's got a struggle. The issue is not whether we have a struggle. Here it is. Here it is. The issue is, are we honest in the appropriate context? with those that we should share our struggle. Jesus looked at the man and the Bible says he actually knew that he'd been in that condition a long time. Now he's getting ready to ask a question. Listen to this, that potentially, and I want to say it respectfully, potentially is highly offensive and insensitive. Potentially. Watch this. Second question I want to ask you guys is this. First is, what is your schedule, the struggle? The second one is, do you really want to be made well? Look what Jesus said. He asked this guy this. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in this condition a long time, he said to him, do you, listen, do you want to be made well? Think about that for a moment. Why would you ask somebody, do you want to be made well? The guy's been there for 38 years. 
I don't know if he's been laying there. Maybe a relative dropped him off. Maybe the relatives couldn't handle him anymore, so they just put him there and said, look, man, you're just going to have to hang out here and wait for the stirring of the water. And maybe, maybe that's what it was. And now you've got Jesus who's walking up to this guy and says, hey, first thing, the first thing, do you want to be made well? One of the things I've realized in the Bible is that these questions, that there's questions that are beyond the questions. It's not just questions, but there's, there's a question always attached to the question. In other words, do you want to be made well? Yes, but do you really want to be made well? I'm not sure. Hang with me. See, what I found is, and what I've realized is, and what I'm wondering is, is what Jesus was saying was not just do you physically want to be made well, but if I heal you of this, do you realize that your whole social network, all the people that you've been talking to, your whole, in other words, your sickness has been with you so long, it's actually become your identity. And if I heal you, there's going to be a part of you that you're going to feel very shaky in because you're going to have to reroute yourself in, quote, a different context with different people, different playgrounds, playmates, and play toys. In other words, you're going to be in a different environment, and it's going to feel scary at first because it's unfamiliar, uncharted territory. You've been sick for so long. You've been in that dysfunction for so long. You've been in that unhealthy thing for so long. If I set you free, you're going to be a little bit wobbly. It's going to be good, but scary. It's going to be scary to you. By the way, that was the children of Israel. That was who they were. Remember that? They got delivered from Egypt. Y'all remember they got delivered from Egypt? There's this big parade. We know something about parades. Throw me something, mister. Everybody's throwing stuff. They got beat. They got all kinds of stuff. They get out there. They get in the wilderness. They're high five. What's up? It's awesome. And they're like, first little challenge that comes in. What is it that they say? First challenge. What did they say? We'd like to go back. Go back to what? Back to slavery? In other words, why would they say that? Because even though slavery is horrible, it's more comfortable. Even though slavery it's horrific, it's at least more familiar. Yeah, you ever heard of that term, the tyranny of the familiar? There's a tyranny, the, the, the tyranny, in other words, something that's familiar. There's something in our soul, in our body, physiologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. We gravitate back towards that which is familiar, even if it's not healthy for us. In other words, do you really want to be made well? This thing in you, this dysfunction that you're dealing with, we've all got something we're dealing with. We've all got some issue that we're struggling with. Do we really, are we really ready to let it go? I've talked with people with addictions over time and how, how addictions, I'm very well. My family came out of addictions. Trust me, I, I understand it. And, and, and growing up as a kid, I, I, I understand all, I, and I'm going to tell you something. It's not just the thing that you do, it's whom you do it with. And the fear is I'm going to have to get a whole social network if I walk away from this. And who am I going to hang around with? And who's going to call me? Even though it's not painful, I mean, even though it's painful, but it's not just the thing, it's, it's who you do the thing with. And, and that's scary. Do you really want to be way well? Do you really want to get delivered from that? Are you all with me? There's a guy in our church, Mike McMillan, and I, I emailed him this week and and uh, he gave me permission to share this. So I want you to know, you're never going to come in here and all of a sudden you're in a video that you didn't know that we took of you. I'm talking about your, are y'all with me? We would never do that. But 
I emailed Mike this week. Mike runs on Thursday night um, our support system, Addiction Recovery, and he does a phenomenal job. He and another, uh, some guys do it, some ladies. It's an incredible, incredible team. He and Barb. And it's interesting if you hear his story. And he actually sent me. I, I, I read this week. I read his whole, I read his whole story. It's phenomenal. It's very familiar and similar to, to a story where I, I started doing this and then this happened and then this happened. And watch this, watch this. And it hurt those that I loved. Remember that? Remember that, that thing, that thing. That's so important that, we, that we're ready to let go of that thing. What's interesting, you bond with people over that thing, but it actually ends up hurting those that you love around that thing. Does that make sense? So there's, there's a gaining of relationship around that thing, but there's also a losing of relationship because of that thing. And he talked about what he went through and the struggles and how he came to Christ and how God began to set him free. And it was just amazing and, and hope. And ho- I mean, just like when you hear that story that, 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 that God can do it, but you have to start with this premise. Number one, do I admit that I have a struggle? And number two, do I really want to get over that struggle? Am I really willing to let it down, to let it go? Two reasons people don't change. Number one, like I've said, is that we grow comfortable with our issue. We have to ask ourselves, have we grown so comfortable with this issue that it has now become part of our identity that if I was willing to, if I, if I lay it down, I'm going to lose a part of who I am. Number two, the second reason why people do not change is we don't have an accurate picture of God. So here's the cool thing about it. This is not just about our willpower alone. For Christ followers, it's, here it is. We make a choice, our will, but it, it runs head smack boom into God's power. So we make a choice to yield to God's will, which then kicks in a greater power, God's power, and it gives us the strength to walk it out. Do we have an accurate picture of God? If you think that God's just up in heaven waiting to get you, waiting to knock you out because he's mad at you because you've made such a mess of your life, how are you going to come to God? How are you going to come to God like that? You'll never go to a God. We would never go. I'm not going to go to a God like that. If I feel like God's just going to, let me just tell you something, lecture and beat me because I've just been such a, or it's a God, have mercy. Everybody say mercy. Have mercy upon me. The fact of the matter is when our picture of God changes, that Jesus is not only our savior, but he's also our healer. He's also our deliverer. He's also our, our listen, our provider. Exodus chapter 15. I love this. It says, for I am the Lord who what? Say it. Heals you. Do you know Jesus beyond your Savior? Do you know that He's your healer? Do you know that He's your deliverer? Do you realize who He is? Jesus was standing right next to that man. That man had to realize wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got a problem. I need a miracle, and the miracle worker is right there. The Christian life is not a life where you get saved and you grit your teeth and you hope you make it to the end. That's not, that's, the Christian life is a supernatural life where you have daily enablement from the parakletos, the Greek word, the one that's called alongside to help you called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to give you power and strength to overcome. Are y'all with me? And there's no addiction. There's no fear. There's no bondage. There's nothing that's too great for the power of God, that God can't give you strength to get out over that and give you the wisdom to walk it out. Do you really want to be made well? It's a cost. Wholeness is a cost. There's a benefit, but there's a cost attached to it. 
Mike began to see who God was. Mike began to understand who God was. So here's the point. The problem with our issues are, our issues get us myopic and our focus becomes self-absorption. Jesus wants us to get our eyes, listen, off of ourselves and others. Because what happens with our issues, we compare our issues with one another and we often blame one another about our issues. John chapter five, verse seven, the sick man answered him and said, I mean, this isn't a powerful dialogue. This is psychological, emotional, and spiritual dialogue. There's an adjustment of paradigms and perspectives, how he's interfacing with this man. The sick man, so he said, do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? The sick man answered and said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. Isn't that interesting? In other words, in other words, nobody will help me. Number two, and when I was, just when those waters are stirring, guess what? Another one steps up and takes my spot. Sounds like a little bit of victimization. Just a little bit. I, I, I want to get well, but, 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 but it seems like, it seems like nobody's going to help me get well. I had a conversation with a guy one time, but I went to a small group. He said, pastor, I went to that small group. Everybody was kind of mean. I said, what'd you do? I said, I went to another small group. Nobody was friendly at the first one. What did you, I went to another small group. I went to another one. They weren't friendly there either. I said, what do you want to do? I said, well, maybe, I'll go to, maybe I should go to another small group. I said, just remember, there's a common denominator in this. The Bible says, if you want friends, you first have to be what? Say it. Hold on one second. Pastor, that was pretty good preaching. I'm not, that was really good. That was good, Pastor. Are y'all with me? There's a sense of ownership. Everybody say ownership. We've got to own it. Hey, time out, time out. This is not about my neighbor. It's not about this, not about my father, not about my mother, not about all these different things. Let me tell you guys something. This is so important what I'm about to say, because let me tell you, some people have been sexually abused, emotionally, mentally, some authority figure, maybe it was a relative or something, and that is deeply impactful. But I'm going to be, I'm going to be very strong with this. Your past influences you, but it does not determine you. It does not determine you. It does not. You can get up and get out of that. We've got to see that. I'm not, listen, just because somebody did something to me when X, Y, Z age, let me tell you, I can't, by, by the way, that's where forgiveness comes in. Forgiveness breaks the chain where I stay bound to my past. I want to get out of that. I want to move on. So I can't look this way and say, well, nobody's helping me on this side and nobody, I've got to look up. Everybody say up. I got to keep my eyes. The Bible says that's where my, that's, that's where God, that's where God and God's people can't blame my past. I can't blame what happened in my past. I can't blame all that stuff. I got to lift up my eyes. Psalms 33, six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters by the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deepest storehouse for he spoke and it was done. Listen, if the same God that created the universe spoke it into existence, surely he can help us with our issue. If the same God that went boom and everything was created, surely he can help us get through and navigate through a, a relational snag or challenge. Man, we got to see this question is how big is your God? Is your God big enough? Is your God, and listen, is my God, or is our God big enough? The answer is what? Yes. God is, we got to see that God is able. God is not only able, but God is willing. He wants to, and he can. 
We got to see it that way. All right, so here it is. Here it is. I'm laying in. I'm laying. First question, what is your struggle? You got to identify your struggle. I've got struggle. We all have them. Number two, do you really want to get well? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to get well. All right, here it is. Here it is. I'm closing. Number three, what is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? Watch this. This is, I'm just teaching verse by verse. Look at verse eight. All right, here it is. So the man's looking at him. Jesus is looking at him. And they're just, he's, he's, Jesus is looking at him and the man's looking up. And here's what he says. Y'all ready? Rise, take up your bed and walk. In other words, I'm going to supernaturally touch your life but you're going to have to cooperate. I'm going to do it through you. I've got the power. You're going to have to give the participation. Everybody say rise, take up my bed and walk. In other words, obedience precedes the miraculous. Obedience precedes. In other words, God told Noah in Genesis chapter six, go build an ark. He did it, though. Everybody was making fun of him for 100, over 100 years. And, oh, man, what are you doing building that yard? He built and it kept raining. Guess what? They didn't laugh at him when the rain started. God told Naaman, to, to Naaman, who was a leper, Syrian leper, to go dunk in the Jordan River seven times. And the Bible says after the seventh time, his skin was made. It wasn't the first time. It wasn't the second time. If God tells you to do it seven times, you better, do, you better not do it six. Are y'all with me? Whatever you see, here's the issue. What is your struggle? What is God? Listen, do you really want to be made well? And what are you willing to do? If God tells you to do it, are you willing? What is your freedom worth? What is your wholeness worth? What is your healing worth? Now, I want to get real personal. God may tell some of you, you feel like, man, I've just got a problem with debt. I just, I'm always in consumer debt. God may tell you, I'm not telling, God may tell you, cut up the credit card. He may tell you to do that. God may tell you to do that. You know what Dave Ramsey, who I love Dave Ramsey, you know, those people that they get sick. You know, you know, the old adage, listen, when you get sick and tired of being what say it, that's that moment. You're like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. In other words, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. God, God, God can actually do something great through your life right then. You know, those people say, I'm just going to get out of debt. I'm going to do whatever. And they go up to Nashville and, they, and Dave lets them ring the bell on this radio program. It's amazing. Debt free. I've told you guys this story before and you guys have heard it before. 2010, I burned out as a pastor. I'm 40, whatever, 41 years old. And just totally, I went to my elders and I was just done. I was just like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm just burned out emotionally. I'm, I'm beyond stressed. I'm just burned out. And they, I went to a counselor. They sent me to a counselor. You got to go to professional, you got to need professional help. Okay, I'll go to a counselor. So I went to another state. I'm like, I ain't going to counselor around here. Hey, I'm Pastor Chief. Oh, I'm in your church. I thought you were helping me. I'm like, I'm going out of town. You know what I'm saying? I'll never forget. Y'all have heard the story before. Look, I wanted to get well. I knew I wasn't well. I was preaching one Sunday, February 2010. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not well. I'm like breaking down. And I'll never forget. I remember walked up to the thing and, the guy, and I told you all this before. And his name and, and the name and he had in front of his name, psychotherapist. I'm like, darn. 
that's crazy people go see people. Like, what about life coach? What the heck? A psychotherapist like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not the, darn it. Pastor Randy, the funniest thing is Pastor Randy Craig had brought me there because my elders say, Randy, bring him there. Make sure he doesn't go crazy off the highway. <laughs> One week, and you know what I found out at the end of the week? I had an addiction. Here's my addiction. I was physiologically, mentally, and emotionally addicted to adrenaline in my body. I was. It took me 18 months to learn how to live differently. I was addicted to the surge in my body, and my body was breaking down. I was having adrenal gland failure. That's what I was having in my body. And I had to learn to live totally different. And it, took, it was painful. Do you really want to get well? Are you willing to not be superwoman or superman? Are you willing to cut that thing up? Pastor, you know, I've struggled with pornography for a long time. Okay, let me just say this respectfully, because there's neurological things when you get hooked with pornography in the mind, and the, it's, it's really interesting. It's beyond, it's me mental, it's emotional, it's, it's a lot of things. And I've got blocks in my house, but it still pops up. Okay, then I would say, whatever, get rid of every bit of technology if you have to. I mean, just have an old phone, flip phone, whatever you got. In other words, and your issue may not be my issue. My issue may not be your issue. Are y'all with me? Whatever your issue is, do you really want to get well? Then the question is, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Maybe your issue is something, well, you know, my issue is this. And I, you know, I just, I tend to use the substance and I go beyond it. Well, then don't just say you're going to eat the appetizers. That place is not good for you. Are you with me? I mean, you got to get real with this thing. Because if you don't get real with it, you're not going to get help. But if you get real with it and you say, God, whatever, everybody say, whatever. That's dangerous to pray that way. Oh man, that's dangerous because God's will. Listen, he's liable to tell you whatever, whatever. It's maybe you got to show up on Thursday night to Mike, Mike McMillan's addiction recovery group and you sit around, you go, man, look, and I'm going to tell you, it's very difficult to finally come to that point where like, I've got a problem. I need help. But when you get there, you're such in a good position to hear from God because there's no more interference. God's like, I've been waiting for you to get to that point. Are you with me? Yeah. Yeah. John chapter 10, the Bible says this, you can hear the voice of God. What is God going to tell you to do? My sheep hear my what? Say it. I know them and they follow me. I want everybody to stand. I know this is a heavy message, but it's a message that's intended for all of us, all of us to get open. All of us. We all have a struggle somewhere. Do we want to get well in that area? Are we willing to do what God says? I want to pray for him and ask everybody to bow their heads, all of our campuses, just for a moment. And maybe you've come in here today and the fact is your, your struggle is a spiritual struggle related to the fact you've never trusted Christ. I want to pray for you. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything like that. But right where you're sitting, right where you're sitting, if you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. You've never really begun a relationship with God. Maybe you've gone to church before. Maybe you'd go at Christmas or Easter and just out of cordiality, you would show up with friends or family or whatever. But the truth is, 
you've never really begun a relationship with God. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father, God, except through a relationship with Jesus. So the first step is to recognize, I need God. I need God. The next step is to recognize that, that Christ has provided a way for us into a relationship with God the Father. And if we'll call out to him, I can't save you, church. If the king can't save you, Jesus saves. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at every one of our campuses, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship, but you know who you are. The Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart right now. God brought you here because he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to save you, to forgive you, and to give you another chance. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high so I can see it? One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir, in the back. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, buddy. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? God bless you up top. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, hon, right there. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you, ma'am, right there. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, church, let's pray with those. This is the most important decision you can make right here. Let's pray with them that are trusting Christ as their Savior. Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at me. Just give me 15 seconds. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward. By the way, please stay with me. After every service, we have a prayer team that's up here to pray for any needs that anybody may have, all right? You don't have to leave without prayer. Number two, if you prayed and trusted Christ, I'm going to ask you to fill a card out. You can give it to them or on the way out, Guest Central, our pastor's there. They'd love to be able to minister to you and give you a small gift. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us to realize how big you are, that you are willing and able to help us, to help us in our struggle. Bless your people as they go forth this day in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we just bless the Lord? God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll see you.